from the scriptures. And what we'd like to do this morning is to just kind of unpack what we just heard step by step. And we'll do that by using some P words that seem to just rise off of the pages uh, of this powerful story. And the first P word that we come to is the word persecution, persecution. If you look back in the text, uh, chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, it says, at about that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. This wasn't the first time that the church, the early church in the book of Acts was facing persecution. It was like there was wave after wave uh, of persecution, of hardship, of pushback to the good news of the gospel of Jesus uh, moving forward and changing people's lives. And as soon as the, the church would advance and make a move forward, it was like there would come this next wave of persecution. And that's what's happening here, probably a third or fourth wave that we see in the, in the book of Acts. And then in verse 2, it says, uh, Agrippa had the apostle James, John's brother, killed by the sword. This would have shocked the early church. This wasn't the first martyr in the book of Acts, but it was the first apostle. I mean, James was one of the leaders of the church of that day, and now that leader had been killed, most likely beheaded by Agrippa. Persecution has set in, and there's fear that's filling the people's hearts and wondering, how's God going to work? Are we going to be safe? How's the good news of Jesus going to keep moving forward when they're literally killing some of our leaders, which leads us to a second P word, and that P word is prison. If you remember what it said in the text, it said when, when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. So there's a few more P words there. Peter's involved, and, and Herod, who really is a, a people pleaser, that's a double points in the Scrabble game for you on the letter P, but because he's so swayed by the people when he sees that they're happy that James is beheaded, he moves again, and he chases down another one of the early apostles and leaders in the church, Peter himself, and Peter he puts in prison. Now, it says that they imprisoned him, placing under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each, and Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. Now, the Passover was a seven, eight-day experience, and so Peter's landed himself in jail, and he's in the waiting. You ever been there? <laughs> been in, in your own sense of prison, and you just feel like you're in the waiting, like, will I ever get out of this place? And, 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 I mean, it says that there's four squads of four soldiers each. This is, this is like maximum security lockdown. Sixteen men that are guarding Peter. Now, part of that could be because earlier in chapter 4 and 5 of the book of Acts, we see that Peter was in prison previously and a miraculous escape. And so, by now, uh, the authorities that be, they, they recognize that they can't keep a, a, a good enough handle on this guy, Peter, because of God's grace in his life. And so they lock down even further. 
uh, tradition has it that probably Peter, not only the 16 guards, but two of those were literally chained to him in his own cell so that even if he so much as moved, there would be noise, the, the, the guards would notice that there would be no chance of him getting out. And even though he had previously been imprisoned and got out the first time, there was no promise of that the second time. In fact, remember, he just saw James, another one of the apostles, be beheaded. And now he's in waiting, all for doing the right things in prison. You ever felt like that in your life? Like you were just trying to do the right thing? You just tried to be a person of character or integrity or workplace? And now it feels like you're suffering for it? Uh, you, 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 you try to, you know, show love and speak some truth to a friend that you're very concerned about. You were trying to do the right thing, and now it's damaged the relationship, the friendship, because they didn't take it right or didn't take it well, and you feel like you're now locked up and you're in some form of prison. Or maybe, maybe you, you, you know, you were just trying to do the right thing in your marriage and and, and, and show love and show care and grace and it doesn't seem to be reciprocated and you feel like you're in a relational prison trapped right now in your relationship. Or for some of us, maybe, maybe we feel in prison not because of something that we did right, but something that we've done wrong. Maybe it was some of our own choices and we, we, we broke trust with a, a close friend or, or, or our spouse, and now we feel trapped. We feel chained up. We don't have a sense of freedom in our relationships anymore. Or maybe, maybe for you it's, it's, you, know, you, it's an addiction, and you feel trapped. You feel chained up. You feel imprisoned because of, because of your own choices and struggles and wrestlings. I don't know what it is for you, but... If you feel imprisoned in any way, or you know somebody that feels like they're trapped, we can relate with Peter, and Peter relates with us. And here he is for seven or eight days just waiting, waiting for a trial only to most likely face the same execution as James, the other apostle. And this leads us to uh, another P word in the passage and that word is prayer. This is probably my favorite verse in the entire chapter. Look at it with me. It says, but while Peter was in prison, the church prayed. I love that. When Peter was in prison, the church prayed. It was Jesus that said, my house will be called a house of prayer. It's our number one value here at the chapel, to depend on God, to live lives of prayer, living in dependence on him, seeking him, asking for his help, asking for his wisdom. And here, Peter is locked up, one of the church leaders of the day, and the, the church is praying. I love what the Enduring Word Bible Commentary says. It says, when every other gate is shut and locked, the gate to heaven is wide open, and we take advantage of that open gate through prayer. 
The question is, are we taking advantage of it? I don't know about you, but my, my prayer life, you know, sometimes it feels like I'm getting a C plus at best. And, and prayer's hard, isn't it? It's hard. Sometimes we feel like, well, isn't God just going to do what he's going to do? And so what difference do my prayers make anyway? Or maybe we have spent time praying for something and it feels like the, 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 the heavens are silent. And so it, what difference? Where's the hope? Where, where's the answer? Where's the next step? And we feel locked up, imprisoned, and we're just waiting Prayer can be difficult, but somehow the, the, the early church, when Peter was in prison, they found out, they knew that he had been placed in a jail cell, and their response, their automatic, immediate response was prayer, and that's the kind of church that we want to continue to be, a church that prays, a church that prays for one another, that when you have needs or care concerns going on in your life or the life of somebody that you love and care about, we want to be the kind of place that continues to lift up people. And so for just a minute, I just wanted to, because maybe you're here and you're like, well, I don't know, how, how do you pray? How do you share prayer needs? What, what if somebody's going into the hospital? What if there's a care concern? How do, how do we, because here's the reality. Sometimes we find out after the fact someone was in the hospital or someone had a surgery or someone had a heavy need going in, on in their life and they're feeling like, man, nobody reached out, nobody cared but the reality was we didn't even know. So the question is, how do we make sure that we know? And we always want to do better as a church, but some of this is on all of us to help each other know what's going on in each other's lives. In your worship program, we highlighted this for you so that if you ever have a question like, okay, how do I share a prayer need or a care need? Uh, it's in your worship program. Okay, how do we do that? Number one, the easiest way when you're here on a weekend, just fill out a connect card. The little, it's a little tear-off sheet in the worship program. Just put your contact info down there and just share your prayer request. Please pray for this. Pray. You know what will happen? Then every week, at the beginning of the week, all those prayer requests, they get collected. They get put into a mass email that goes out to a prayer team so that all week long, people that really care, people that really do pray, will be lifting up your need, your burden, your care, your concern. Just write it out on a connect card, drop it in the giving boxes, and our team will take it from there. And here's the thing. If, if, if there's something that's going on that you're letting us know about, that you, you want a personal follow-up, you want Pastor Ryan or me or, or Spencer or one of our team members to follow up with you personally, to pray with you over the phone or show up at the hospital, just say that. Just, just make sure you tell us that, okay? We don't want to just jump in and come banging on your door, uh, you know, saying, hey, I heard there was a prayer need. I'm here. Uh, we want to respect you. We want to give you your space. But at the same time, if that's a need and you're like, man, I just wish somebody would come and put their hand on my shoulder and pray over us, we will be there. You just got to tell us. The second way you can let us know is by just throughout the week, you can just call the church office at any time. If, if, the, if, if nobody's there, there's an answering machine. You can leave a message. Our team at the front desk, they'll intercept those calls. They'll ask you how, what the prayer need is, how we can pray for you. They'll make a note of that. They'll send that off then to that same prayer team and our staff that will get those all week long so that you can be being lifted up and prayed for. And again, if you call the office and you're like, Man, pray for me. I'm having surgery on Thursday. 
let us know. Say, hey, is there any way that someone could come and pray for me? Hey, could somebody give me a call and pray for me on Wednesday night before the surgery? We want to do. We want to be there. We want to do that with you and for you. That's what the early church was doing. I mean, Peter's in prison, and it says the church was praying. There's a third way. You can just email us anytime, day or night, just prayer at the chapel.family. Just shoot, us, shoot off an email. That'll get intercepted by our front desk team. That front desk team, they'll let our pastors know, our staff know, they'll let our prayer team know. Why? Because we want to be a church that prays. That, this, was, this is what marked the early church, and I'm convinced that this is why there was so many miraculous things happening in the life of the early church, because they were praying. They were depending on God together. And it's interesting that the text says, uh, while Peter was in prison, the church was praying for him very earnestly. Now, this is a challenge for me in my own prayer life because that word very earnestly has the idea of both intensity and continuity. Intensity. I I think about um, Epaphras in the New Testament, and the Bible says he was a man that wrestled in prayer. The, The original Greek word is agonized in prayer. And I think in my own life, and I think, I I wonder in our lives, are our prayers agonizing before God? For one of the first times in my life, I feel like I've come to that place. With some serious health things that our son has been going through, he's 15 years old. He's got inflammation in his brain, and it flares And when you mess with the brain, you mess with everything. And I mean, we have been begging God to touch our son. And those of you in the room that are parents or grandparents, or, or maybe it was one of your children or a grandchild, or maybe it was a spouse, or maybe it was a super close friend, and you know what it is to agonize, the intensity to be so desperate to beg God to move, to work. But the, the early church, they weren't just intense in their prayers. They were continuous in their prayers. It was ongoing. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, you know, I got down on my knees and I really cried out to God that one time about that one thing. And, man, he just hasn't done anything. No, they, they did what Jesus said. They kept knocking. Ask, seek, knock and the door will be open to you. And we, we, we've got to continuously go to God with continuity and intensity. What's interesting is that the early church, they were doing this, and where's Peter? He's sitting in jail for multiple days. I wonder if they thought, when's God going to answer my prayers? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever prayed? Prayed maybe with intensity, maybe prayed multiple days or weeks or months in a row, and it feels like, when is God going to come through? And I think the early church, they might have been feeling that, and it could have been that Peter was feeling that, like, man, God got me out of jail one time before, but he seems silent. I love what a McLaren devotional Bible study says, omnipotence is never in a hurry. <laughs> and God, not only in his judgments, but also in his mercies, very often works slowly as becomes 
his majesty. And then he finishes with this phrase, God works slowly, for he works certainly. There is so much there. We can trust that God is certainly working, but that does not always mean he works with rapidity. Sometimes it's slow. Sometimes it's dark. Sometimes it's long. But God is still at work. That's what we're trusting for our son. That's what we're trusting for for this campus. God is at work. And he is in it with us for the long haul. Well, that leads to another word that is kind of surprising that I, I kind of see arise out of the passage because, remember, Peter, he's in prison, but the church, they're fervently, continuously, intensely praying for him. And look at what it says, Acts 12, verse 6. It says, the night before that Peter was to be placed on trial, just like, remember, James had been placed on trial and then almost immediately had his head lopped off for his faith, it says, Peter, on the night before all of this, was asleep. (laughs) Was asleep. Taking a rest. It says, fastened between two chains, between two soldiers. And Peter is sleeping. To me, there's this picture of peacefulness I mean, Peter knew that the next day he's going on trial. Peter knew that the next day the outcome was not looking good. And yet, he is at peace. Maybe he was at peace because the church was praying. Maybe he was at peace because he had a deep sense of trust that what Jesus did before Jesus could do again Maybe he had a deep sense of peace that, hey, you know what? Whether I live or die, I do so under the Lord. Like, uh, God has me. But there was a deep sense of, of peace in Peter's heart. I think about the, the psalm that I would read sometimes to our kids when we'd get ready for bed and they were upset or overwhelmed or they'd wake up from a, from a scary dream. It says, I, w- I shall lie down and sleep and sleep in peace. For you, O Lord, protect me. And Peter knew that. What it says to us is that even if we're feeling imprisoned, in the worst case scenario, with God's presence, it's possible for us to still be at peace. And that was Peter. But that leads to the next P word, prison break. Right? That's what we're all looking for. That's what we're all longing for. Man, I love a great prison break story. I, I mean, even as a, as a younger kid, I remember, anybody remember, old enough to remember, Clint Eastwood, Escape from Alcatraz? Okay, there's a few, few of you that still, and then the younger people are like, what are you talking about, Todd? This is making you look, you look very old. Okay, or how about uh, Sean Connery in The Rock? Right? That, 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 don't you... Um, for a while, there was a series out on NBC or ABC called Prison Break, and Lisa and I, we got hooked in that one. And, and uh, I don't know, there's something intriguing to me about a prison break story, and yet what's crazy about Peter's prison break story <laughs> is there's not much to it. 
I mean, he didn't do any digging. He didn't have to like tie ropes together to lower himself out of a window. He didn't have to, you know, get stuff from the, from the, from the kitchen in the prison in order to like start a digging or sharpening something or like, no. In verses 7 to 10, we see the prison break, and it says that God sends an angel, and the angel wakes Peter up. Remember, he's chained between two guards, and he says, get up, let's go. And it says the chains fell off. <laughs> and, and, and Peter is kind of bewildered. In fact, the text says that he doesn't even really realize this is happening. He thinks he's dreaming. And, and it says that the, the, the angel just kind of escorts him out past the first two guards and then past the next two guards and then past the next two guards. And then the text says that the iron gate to the whole prison just opens up. In fact, the Greek word there is automate. It's like it automatically, this was long before, okay, your, your digital swipe cards to open up the door and, you know, the sensors. And, but that didn't limit God, which is a reminder to us. That there is no prison so great, so powerful, so hard that God cannot break you out of it if he wants. It's his will. And God just opens the doors and opens the doors and opens the doors, just like he's opened the doors and opened the doors and opened the doors for Ryan and Alyssa and their next steps in their journey. Because what God wants to do, he will do. And nobody will stop it. And that leads us to the next P word, plan. <laughs> it says, Peter, he finally comes to his senses. He's like on the outside of the, of the prison now. And it says, he comes to his senses, senses and says, it's really true. <laughs> it says, the Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. There's that next P word, plan. The, God's word says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And the, the, the Jewish leaders, they had a plan for Peter. They wanted to lock him up. They didn't like the movement of the early church. It was infringing in all their religiosity, and they didn't believe in Jesus as the Messiah and the hope of the world. They wanted to be the savior of the people. And even though they had a plan for Peter's life, God had a different plan. And God's plan always overrides man's plan. And that's why we want to continue to align our lives with God's plans for our lives, which leads to our final P word, praise. Look at the text with me. It says, when he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, uh, where many were there gathering for prayer. They might have been very well praying specifically for Peter in this moment. And so he goes to the house where he knows they're gathered and they're praying together. And it says, and he knocks at the door and this servant girl named Rhoda, dear, sweet Rhoda, she, and it says she came to the door to open it. It says when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside to tell everybody, hey, Peter's at the door. It's like she, she goes over, she hears his voice. Oh my gosh, it's Peter, oh my gosh. And she's freaking out. She's overwhelmed with joy and praise. And she runs back to tell people without ever even letting him into the house. And this is so astounding to me, and this just shows that we can pray for things but not believe in our own prayers. Because they, they, the, the church that's praying, remember Peter's in prison, but the church is praying and fervently and continuously. 
And she says, hey, Peter's outside. And they're like, you're crazy, girl. <laughs> That's Todd Nielsen paraphrase, okay? You're cra- you crazy, girl. And then she insisted. She's like, no, no, you don't understand. Peter is outside the door. And then they decided it must be as an angel. And in, in, in this Jewish culture, they believed that everybody had a, a, a guardian angel and that sometimes that angel might even have an appearance or a likeness of the person. So they're, they're just trying to come up with any reason to explain away the miracle because they, they don't even believe what they've been praying for. Have you ever been there? <laughs> sometimes I don't... I don't, I don't know what I believe. I, I don't know if God's going to heal our son. I, don't, I have to pray with the, with the man in Scripture who had the son. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. But the incredible thing about God is his word tells us it just takes a mustard seed of faith. It's not about how much faith. It's about who our faith is in. It says, meanwhile, Peter, he keeps knocking at the door, and it says, finally, they opened the door, and they saw him, and the people that were gathered there, they're amazed. They're amazed at the answer to their own prayers for Peter. And it says, he motioned for them to quiet down, and he told them how the Lord had let him out of prison. Tell James, he said, and the other brothers what has happened, because you can't contain this. He wanted the praise to carry out to the rest of the church and to move in people's lives to see what God can do even when somebody of faith has been imprisoned. This is the story of Peter. It begins with persecution, which leads to Peter being put in prison, which leads to the church praying, which leads to Peter having peace even in the midst of the prison cell, which reminds us of God's plan. And what was God's plan? It was for a prison break, which would lead to praise. That's not too bad, huh? And what does that have to do with you and me? You see, every human on the face of the planet, the Bible says, is chained up, is locked up by her own sin, by her own faults, by our own mess-ups and mistakes. And we too, like Peter, we're imprisoned and not for doing the right things, oftentimes for doing, thinking the wrong things. But no matter what prison you're in, Jesus can free you. That's the message of the gospel. That, that Jesus, man, he went to prison. They put him in a grave and put a big rock in front of it and they thought his story was done. But Jesus is into prison breaks. <laughs> and he broke out of the tomb three days later to give life and hope and light and grace and mercy and forgiveness to meet us at our point of greatest need. And so I, I just want to leave you with a couple next steps. Number one, how can you just praise God today for answered prayer? Take some time today, reminisce, think back, look over your prayer journal. Let's make sure that we're thanking him for the ways that he's answered prayer. And then secondly, I want you to think about somebody right now that you know that is feeling locked up, that's feeling imprisoned, that isn't experiencing real freedom. 
And let's be the kind of church that prays continuously, earnestly, knocking on heaven's door on their behalf. And then finally, we want to pray for you. And in your worship program, there's those three ways. And we want to know, I, I hope that this week, man, the person that types up our prayer requests, I hope that they are so overwhelmed. And then we're going to read those prayer requests, and then we're going to be overwhelmed as pastors and staff. And then you know what we're going to do? We're going to take them to the one that never gets overwhelmed because he can handle it all. Would you pray, for, pray with me? Jesus, thank you that you love us, and thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that you are at work. Thank you, God, that there is no prison that could hold you. There's no prison that could hold us. Thank you that you are in the business of bringing freedom into people's lives. And we pray that you would find us faithful in prayer and that we would see your majestic power at work in our lives and in the lives of those that we love. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great rest of your weekend, guys.